what's the next step? I, I know economies of scale is what makes sense to get into the large scale stuff. I just didn't know how. And so did a lot of research and what it came down to was just leveraging somebody that's already done this before. So I ended up connecting on bigger pockets and, and through a couple other, uh, couple other mediums, ended up connecting with, with Gino Barbaro. And so I, I did a lot of research and I ended up working with, with Gino as a, a mentorship student. And over the past few years, I've worked as a student, which allowed me to get to the point in my investment portfolio to walk away from the political realm, focus full-time on real estate. And then just recently, about six months ago, was brought full-time onto the team as a student, no way, or full-time onto the Jake and Gino team. My goal here, knowing the power of proximity, was to surround myself with high-level high individuals 24-7. So this gives me the opportunity to get pushed on a daily basis by guys like Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbro and their whole team here. So that's uh, just a 30-second quick overview of, of my experience up until today. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Dylan McGowell. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you so much for having me today, Annette. Um, I, I seriously want to commend you right from the get-go. I know you have a lot of high-level investors and, and followers following your podcast, and, and this is no easy task, so hopefully we can provide some value today. Thank you so much, and let me tell you guys about Dylan. He graduated from Michigan University State University in 2013, where he began working in political realm in both the private sector as well as the le legislative branch. Throughout his political career, he built a small residential real estate investment portfolio and soon realized the power of economies of scale in multifamily. So he dove in head first. Over the past few years, since leaving the political world and making the move from Michigan to Tennessee, Dylan has become a partner in more than 30 million of commercial real estate, as well as spending some time as a commercial real estate investment broker. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Annette. I am so happy to connect with you today. And, uh, you know, you are part of the Jake and Gino uh, team. And I, I didn't know that until today. Yes. But I love the story that, that, um, that you were telling me about the seller financing deal. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. West, uh, out in Morgantown, West Virginia, Fountain View, and uh, our, our apartment complex, Cedarstone. Oh, excellent. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into real estate? Of course. Uh, so how much time you have? I'll, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will, I'll shorten it up a little bit and try to give you my, my 30 second elevator pitch. So I, I started back in the political realm back in 2013 after I graduated uh, from school. And I, I'll be honest, coming out of school, I had rosy goggles. I thought I was going to be the one to change the world. And I started getting involved in, and I did a lot of research throughout college about really and truthfully, where, where is it, where are those asset classes specifically that, that allow you to create that, that generational wealth? And I, I knew it was real estate right from the get-go, uh, but I had a serious interest in politics. Never thought I was going to work full-time, but I worked on the inside and the legislative branch as well as the outside and, and basically uh, representing the political interests of hospitals and for a large automaker. 
And so I decided as soon as I graduated to, to, to get my feet wet in real estate. So built up a small portfolio, single family homes, small multifamily, was working 50 to 60 hours a week, managing the properties on my own, no real systems in place. And that's when I basically sat down and said, hey, what's the next step? I, I know economies of scale is what makes sense to get into large scale stuff. I just didn't know how. And so did a lot of research and what it came down to was just leveraging somebody that's already done this before. So I ended up connecting on bigger pockets and, and through a couple other, uh, couple other mediums, ended up connecting with, with Gino Barbaro. And so I, I did a lot of research and I ended up working with, with Gino as a, a mentorship student. And over the past few years have worked as a student, which allowed me to get to the point in my investment portfolio to walk away from the political realm, focus full-time on real estate. And then just recently, about six months ago, was brought full-time onto the team as a student, no way, or full-time onto the Jake and Gino team. My goal here, knowing the power of proximity, was to surround myself with high-level high individuals 24-7. So this gives me the opportunity to get pushed on a daily basis by guys like Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbro and their whole team here. So. That's uh, just a 30-second quick overview of, of my experience up until today. Wow, amazing. And that, that you are hitting a really good point. Surround yourself with the people that are doing what you want to do so that you, in, you get inspired daily. You know, you, you want to do what they are doing. So when you see them constantly, then you, you know, by osmosis, you start doing it too. It's true. It's, I, I, one of my favorite quotes is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around. And I believe that to my absolute core. Excellent. The Deal. Let's talk about the deal. What's the deal that we're going to talk about? Uh, where is it located and um, what type of assets? Of course, and so it is a, it's a total of 62 units, and it's actually split between two separate properties. 36 of these units are with an, an apartment building, and that is Cedarstone. This is out in Morgantown, West Virginia, and then the other 26 are condominiums. They are a solid B, uh, B, B minus asset, and uh, the market that we're, that we're actually invested in is not a market that we would typically typically spend a ton of time in, but this deal kind of fell into our lap a little bit. And so Morgantown, West Virginia, this is where West Virginia University is located, a lot of, a couple of different hospitals, and a large pharmaceutical company is, is the big industry there out in, in West, Morgantown, West Virginia. Awesome. So how did you find this deal? Yeah. So typically what I would say is the, the most business that where you're going to get your deal flow in multifamily, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's going to come through brokerage relationships. But this one just happened to come through, um, through a, a direct to owner. And so my partner in the deal actually had a meetup that he put together out in Atlanta and he invited a ton of high level investors and speakers to provide value to a lot of the intent attendees. And one of those attendees happened to be a, a former developer. And he had gone through the process over the past few years of, of liquidating his portfolio and ended up having two properties left. And my partner ended up creating an, a relationship with him. They, they both uh, ended up connecting very well. And he just kind of threw it in my partner's lap and said, hey, would you be interested in taking a look at a deal out in Morgantown, West Virginia? We ended up running the numbers on the deal. It wasn't listed whatsoever. We were the only ones involved with the owner and we came to an agreeable price and, and we went from there. But this one took a, a long time. There were a lot of hurdles with this deal and ended up taking just over a year to be able to close from start to finish. 
but it was um, definitely one that I had I learned a ton from. It's 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 one that from from now on I'm going to have experience to be able to solve outside problems in other deals from. So it's uh, it, it's been an incredible process, and I'm just excited to have the opportunity to be a part of it. Awesome. And so how how many units did you have before this deal? Before this deal, I had just over just over 200 at this point. Oh wow! So a combination you had a bunch of, of them, but this this one was like a hurdle. You have to go through all these hurdles. So you, oh my gosh, we're learning a lot. So, yes. Okay, so let's go through the deal. So how much was it listed for? Uh, so the the agreed upon price we came to it was never listed because it was direct to owner, but we agreed upon a, a purchase price of 5.5 million. 5.5 million. And that's what Correct. he initially wanted or he wanted more initially? Um, so we, we kind of had to come to a, a little bit of a, a, an agreement on that. Okay. And so um, what were the points? How did you negotiate it? So how, how we negotiated was obviously based on other, other sales in the market. Interesting, and interestingly enough, there's not a ton of information on the Morgantown, West Virginia market. So we had, to, uh, we had to look around through talking with different brokers and things of that nature. But we just, at the end of the day, came down to what, what the cash flow is going to be for day one. We're not, we don't purchase based on appreciation what the market's going to look like five years from now. We look at appreciation as icing on top, but we are, are typically purchasing for and, and making these investments based on the cash flow that they're producing today. So what was the price per unit when, when you bought them? So the, the price per unit, it, it, it's a, it, so it's an interesting deal. There's, there's a difference in prices per unit because at the end of the day, we ended up having to, it's one loan, but the property in the eyes of the bank is split between the, the two units. So the, the price per unit on the condominium, since it's a, it's a much newer class, is a little bit higher than the price per unit on the, the apartment complexes. So there's a differentiation there, but it all comes down to, to one loan. Okay. We per so we purchased the the apartment complex for two point two million, and we purchased the the Fountain View, which is the the condominiums for three point two. Three point two. All right. So once you you had it, what were the um, the things that you had to do? You were probably going to add value to these properties. To so this raise rent. So this one was not a heavy value add deal. This was more of a, a cash flow yield play. Um, what, and I'll talk about the juicy stuff, the really, really interesting thing about this deal as we, as we go along. But there, there's a lot of opportunity here for just organic rent growth. We're not having to go in and rehab a ton of the units. Little things here and there, just cleaning up the property. The property management before did a, did a great job. But we do believe over the next couple of years there will be some um, some some room to, to raise rents organically. And we had a lot of baked in equity as soon as we purchased this deal. We'll, we'll say that. So uh, it, was a, it was a home run from, from day one in, in our eyes, just because of the, the baked in equity that we had. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the hurdles that you had to, to go through to be able to acquire this property. Absolutely. One of the one of the biggest ones was um, coming to a, an agreement on owner financing and dealing with the hurdles that came with with the bank specifically. And this was just not, like I said, a, a market that we have been absolutely bullish on. So we had conversations about about owner financing. Obviously, owner financing is a, a, an incredible way 
to leverage outside capital to be able to get into these deals with very little money out of your own pocket. So there was um, a long negotiation, but thankfully the, uh, the owner and uh, we are, we're all very close friends. So it was a, a very friendly negotiation, but we got to the point where the, the owner was willing to, to set aside some owner financing for us. And at the end of the day was not in the bank size. Typically what you're going to need to put down is an absolute minimum of 15%, which um, in, in, so we had a conversation with the bank and the, the, the owner was only willing to put down a certain amount. So we would have had to come up with the rest and the bank, they already had the loan on, with the former owner on this deal. So they love the deal. They know all of the ins and outs of that. They felt very comfortable with our credibility and experience and they're a, an aggressive community bank. So they only forced us to put down just under 5% and that entirely came from owner financing. So we are, were able to control a five and a half million dollar deal uh, with very, very little capital out of own, our own pocket. And what we came to a table with ended up just covering the closing costs of this deal. Wow, that's incredible. So was this a joint venture or was this a syndication? This was a joint venture. Yeah, so I've, I've got two partners in the deal. Uh, we all have our own individual skill sets. And so the, the goal is to obviously build a partnership to, to make that deal the most effective. And so, yeah, a total of three partners in this deal, including myself. Oh, amazing. That's awesome. That's one of my goals this year, to do a larger deal with some joint ventures. You're going to get there. <laughs> All right. So what's the exit strategy for this? Um, for so this... So this one will be this one will be interesting, and and we've kind of gotten to the point where we're a big fan of this property just due to the fact that you're looking at a lot of these 1970s builds now, uh, and and you know I've heard it over and over again the the capex tsunami is coming with a lot of these deals having to you know you're you're having such cap rate compression, but at the same time you're having to set aside a ton to to repair a lot of these issues with with capex in the first couple of years of owning these properties, so the the relatively new builds that we're having we're excited to to hold on to these long term uh the condominiums our goal is to actually we got in more of a wholesale price i think we ended up getting in at about 120 a door on the condominiums uh, we could end up selling these things off individually to somebody that wanted to live there for about 170 to 180 a door so our goal over the next next 12 months or so is to end up selling a few of these off just kind of getting ourselves to a better position. You know, we're not a huge fan of condos and the fact that you've got HOAs and things of that nature. The more attractive piece here was the apartments, but we, what we'll probably do in the next couple of years is you know, the fact that we are looking to hold on to these things for long-term, probably refinance out into some long-term fixed rate debt with, with Fannie or Freddie potentially, uh, but we will, we will st start to assess over the next six to 12 months as, as time goes on. Oh, amazing. So you're going to have to separate the loan, right? You have the same loan for both buildings or is it already divided? It's no, it's, it's divided, but it's, it's the exact same loan. So the only, so we, if we wanted to go and actually sell the property, uh, we, we would not have any prepayment penalty. It's just an interest. That's the nice thing about community banks is they can be very flexible as opposed to Fannie and Fannie and Freddie, which are, they have their guidelines and it's sticking to that or not. So if we were to sell the property, there would be no prepayment. But if we go to refinance the property, 
we are going to um, end up with a prepayment penalty. But typically with, with Fannie and Freddie, they're not going to be looking at condos. So we're just going to, we're, our goal is to, to figure out whether it makes sense to, to hold on to the condos long-term, sell a few of them off, or potentially sell off all the condos, just hold on to the apartments, refinance those out into long-term Fannie or Freddie, fix rate debt. Yeah, I have to say I am not a fan of condos. <laughs> I lived in a condo and it was a horror story. The condo fees went <laughs> up three times than what, what we bought it. We were hit with assessments and we said we'll never again buy condos. And if, I'm with you. If, they, if you buy a condo, you really have to um, look at the statements and the budgets and see if they are reserving money, if they have money for CapEx. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be assessed. And we had no idea when we bought this. We just had no idea. All right. We moved in in November and December. We get a $2,000 assessment. And we're like, why? <laughs> well, I've, heard, I've heard plenty of horror stories. We made sure to do a lot of due diligence on the front end about the, the condominium association, the homeowners association, uh, and things of that nature. And we knew that in our eyes, the most attractive piece here was the, the apartments. But the only way to take down the, the deal as a whole was to get into the, the condominiums as well. But it ended up being a win-win situation. Absolutely. And so what I understand is that initially there was no seller financing, but because of the, the, the terms and the negotiation, this came to the table, right? Correct. Correct. It, it ended up being, uh, you know, we built a relationship with the owner of the course of the time over the course of the time it took to close this deal. And we, we offered, you know, we offered terms that, that ended up cr creating a win-win situation for the seller. Uh, he's looking to move more toward into the more of the passive realm, as opposed to being on the active side. He's, he's getting a little bit older now. And, and so what we had offered was, um, a win-win on both of our side, us an opportunity to, to uh, get into this deal with very little capital out of our own pocket and a win for him through the, the seller financing. So we just offered a little bit higher of an interest rate term to him to, to actually make him comfortable with that, with that owner financing. And what was the term with him? How long? So, um, it's, so that's, that we actually, the way that it had to be structured with the, with the bank was that there, there couldn't actually be a term on it, oddly enough. But we offered him a uh, just over, I think it was just around five and a half percent on the on his his portion of the owner financing, and the the financing that we got from the community bank was fixed at at five point five for five years uh, with a step down with a step down prepayment penalty based on refinance, as opposed to uh, there's no there's no prepayment penalty for going and selling this. So it ended up being a win, win situation for the seller because this is, especially on the owner financing side, he's not looking to be extremely active. And on the passive side, this can be very, very comparable to the, the returns that he would be getting elsewhere. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. It's one of those that don't that don't come around very often, which is why we were willing to, you know, continue to jump over hurdles and, and deal with all of the issues that came along with it, uh, because it, it, it was a, a win win on both sides. So uh, this one, this one was was a fun one, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I gotta get, uh, I have a meetup as well. And we meet the last, uh, the second Tuesday of the month. So I'm going to have to make sure that I network and get those off-market deals. Absolutely. <laughs> Expert tips. All right. 
so now we get to the uh, time of the show where I'm going to ask you to give me three tips. Mm-hmm. And today you're going to give, give me three tips on how to start in real estate investing. Absolutely. So I would say number one is this. What it came down to for me was we're not looking to recreate the wheel here in real estate. There's millions of people that have done this successfully before us. There will be millions of people that have do this successfully after us. If you can leverage somebody that's done this over and over again, it's going to cut down your basically your learning curve and allow you to get to your goals a little bit faster. So for me, it was, it was getting a mentor. And there's only two ways to do that. It's either pay to play or seek to serve. Find a way to, to truly provide value. For me, it ended up starting as a pay to play, working hand in hand with Jake and Gino to get me there quicker. And then I found an opportunity to provide value to them through Seek to Serve and then bringing me on full time. And that just continues my education, being surrounded myself with these people on a day-to-day basis, which actually brings me to my second point is surrounding yourself with a community of like-minded individuals. Networking is absolutely huge. I 110% believe in you are the average of the five five people you surround yourself uh, with uh, during most of the time. And if you can surround yourself with those individuals that are a little bit further along than you doing the exact same thing you want to do, which are exposing you to things you've never been exposed to, it's definitely going to push you in the right direction. And then number three, this is the single most important thing. You are not going to learn 110% of this before you get into your first deal. The goal is to get enough education to give you that confidence in execution, and then you're going to learn the rest by getting your hands dirty and just taking action. And, and I think really and truthfully for the new investor, those are going to be three big things that'll, that'll get them there a, a little bit quicker than just trying to go through the trial and error process on their own. Wow, that's great advice because a lot of people just, they are studying, studying, and learning, and they listen to podcasts, but they spend three years and they don't do anything. You know, you just got to take that step and, and start making offers and then buying your first property. Otherwise, you are not going to do anything. Oh, I, trust I was me. reading a book about that or mm-hmm. listening to a book about that, how you have to just do it. Because sometimes if you say that you're going to do it later, it just never happens because you are never going to be ready to do it later. But if you just commit to it, then you have a deadline and you're going to make it happen. So that I really agree. spoke to me. And, and I, was, I was in the position. I was one of the, one of the folks that were over, I, I was basically in paralysis by overanalysis. I wanted to learn 110% of this. And you, you look at some of these people doing deals and you, you basically tell yourself, oh, well, I, you know, I could never get there. And you get to the point where, well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at investor one, I'm looking at investor two, they came from the same exact background, they have the same exact education as me. The only difference between them and I was that they just decided to dive in. Like I said, this isn't rocket science. Uh, there's, there's a proven path, there's systems for everything, and if you can learn those systems, it's going to get you there a lot quicker. But at the end of the day, yes, you, you finally, there, there comes a point where you're just spending too much time on the education side, and you've just got to dive in. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I am kind of that way. I just like jump and then kind of figure out what to do, <laughs> which has worked so far. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's jumping. It, it, it's like jumping out of an airplane and, and, you know, figuring out the parachute on the way down. That's, uh, that, that's how I look at it. But you've obviously done an incredible job. I, I commend you on the success of your podcast and, and especially with all the high level individuals that you're, are, are following you and tuning in on a daily basis. Thank you so much. So tell my audience, how can they find you? Where, where are you on your uh, media links? 
Absolutely. If you, you want to know a little bit about my story or, or anything multifamily in general, you can give me, uh, you can shoot me an email at dmagow at jakeandgino.com. That's D-M-C-G-O-U-G-H at jake, J-A-K-E and A-N-D, Gino, G-I-N-O dot com. Or you can even follow me on Instagram. That's Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N underscore Magau, M-C-G-O-U-G-H. And those are the, the two easiest places to, to get, in, uh, get in contact with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for adding so much value to my audience. Thank you so much for having me, Annette. I'm, and I really appreciate you spending, uh, spending some time out of your day with me today. Hopefully we <laughs> provided some, some serious value to the listeners. Excellent. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.